It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, and welcome to the Wrap Up Live. This is the official Raptors Republic live post game show and podcast where we recap, we dissect, and we have some fun talking about the latest Raptors game. I'm your host, Sohal Abdi. I'm here with. Aiden Moss, Oren Weisfeld, we did have Keon Haddad, our producer, in here for just a second, but um, it's going to be us three tonight. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, live show produced by Keon Haddad. And tonight, your Raptors were defeated by the Indiana Pacers, 122-114. to 114. That brings the Raptors record to uh, five games. Just have to do quick math. Five games below 500 to 16-21 and 21 on the NBA season. And if you guys love the Raptors, I ask you this every show um do us a favor at raptors republic subscribe to the youtube and subscribe to our podcast channel the Rapcast, wherever you're watching or listening all right guys another difficult game let's get right into it another difficult game pacers are not um an elite basketball team by any stretch of the imagination they are having a pretty good season four games above 500 they are in the thick of it in the eastern conference playoff race um, and they have some pretty good basketball players. Tyrese Halliburton has been one of the better guards in the conference. Um, Benedict Matherin has been a revelation as a rookie for the Indiana Pacers, and he definitely has three fans here on the show, at least, in, in us three. Um, Oren's done a ton of work on Benedict. He is Benedict's unofficial best friend, from what I'm hearing. That was, um, uh, that was Benedict <laughs> Maturin out there. Hey, you got to choose between McGlore and Maturin now, man. It's one or the other. Me? Um, yeah. <laughs> Matherin? Go with the young guy. Let's do, uh, let's get into the game, guys. And um, really quick, it's just, it was a back and forth game to start. Um, the Raptors did take the lead in the fourth. They had the lead in the third. And then they kind of gave it away in both the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Um, Pacers shot pretty well. The Raptors, I mean, 45% as a team is, I guess, better than what you'd expect from what we've seen this season from the Raptors. As well as 33%, I'm usually in seeing, uh, used to seeing the 20s from the Raptors. So, I mean, that's maybe a, a little bit of an improvement as well. Um, what do you guys think about the overall game? I'll, I guess I'll go to you, Oren, first. Um, anything that stood out to you, particularly, I guess, at the end of the game? Uh, they kind of suck, the Raptors. Yeah. That's, my, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. But looking at the team stats, all, all over, I think the Pacers outplayed them in a lot of ways. But, like... I don't really love to see the Raptors taking 42 threes. And it felt like that. Like they definitely had really good looks and they missed a lot of them. And Fred and OG definitely deserve some blame here just for this ongoing cold streak from three. But at a certain point, you need to find other ways to get buckets. And I felt like in this game, the three ball wasn't going down for long stretches and they just didn't have like counters to it. So We've seen that all season. Siakam's the only one who can really get to the rim, and then other guys can make threes but not do too much else offensively. And I feel like tonight they shouldn't have taken 42 threes. And I think that's a big reason they lost. But, yeah, rebounding was bad. Transition defense was bad. It was a bad loss. Yeah. Aiden, what did you think about the game? 
Yeah, the three-point shooting, it seems to be like the, the uh, bellwether for what's going to happen in this team. Like the first half, they, especially the first quarter, they started off pretty hot from three. I'm just looking at the shot charts. Uh, it looked it looked better than it did in the second half. Let's put it that way. Um, but for me, it's like, I mean, the bench the bench is a, was a problem tonight, and you know, no surprise taking Gary out of the bench role that he's been playing quite well in, and uh, leaving that bench to basically nobody. Boucher barely played. The, um, Flint, everybody's going to rag on Flynn for that five minutes of defense, but two of those possessions were screens that he got obliterated on and then was retreating on. So I don't think it was necessarily fair, but he didn't have a good good showing. Um, yeah, so that to me, that was the, the glaring issue was just that we we would build this lead or or dig out of a hole and then the bench unit would come on and we would just fall apart again. Um it just seems to be with this team, it's like we can't – not everything can click all at once, right? Like, Freddie – Gary suddenly hot, Pascal's playing well, Freddie falls off, OG falls off, the bench falls off. It's like it's just one – it always seems to be one thing that really and, – and maybe that's the problem with this team is that the Raptors need everything to go well for them to be successful against average teams. Yeah, Keon. You, you you we usually save the best for last, um, so we're gonna do it on this show. What do you think about the guy? Um, same thing as everything else. I mean, I think the main main glaring issue you look at from this one is the bench. Uh, four points is pretty ridiculous compared to Indiana. They had fifty one bench points to four. It has to be better. Something has to change. You got to move someone to the bench. You got to play someone up. Like you got to play. Doubt and Bird. I don't know. There has to be something you do because that was pretty bad. And they were playing, they felt like they were playing good on defense, offense. They weren't guarding. They were allowing easy layups at the rim, open threes. Man, it was rough. Pressure. I, I was hoping for more out of Precious. Maybe he could have ignited the bench. But it was his first stint was just the most precious stint I've ever seen. He drops a dunk on a back. He drops a pass on a, uh, a cut for an easy dunk. He then throws down a lob. He then misses a wide open dunk. Like, yeah, that uh, not 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 a lot I can say other than that. Even on the transition, yeah. like Indiana was scoring in transition off of made buckets. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like the early on, especially OG looked out of it. Gary gave up a couple of offensive rebounds. They didn't really get going. They didn't really lock in until a little bit later in the first quarter. And by then they'd already kind of, you know, we're, we're fighting uphill. Yeah. That's why this game was confusing to me is like, theoretically, theoretically in a track meet type fast paced environment, shouldn't the Raptors thrive in that type of environment? Like, isn't this team built to play a fast game? They're young, they're athletic. They have a lot of guys who are better in transition than in the half court. And defensively, kind of the whole point of their 6-9 structure is that you can match up with anyone in transition and be fine, right? Like, be fine as a rebounding team, be fine as a stay in front of your guy. And especially the first half, like, this was just a track meet. Indiana clearly wanted to push the pace off and makes. 
but the Raptors couldn't keep up with them. And I was a little bit confused. Just like, yeah, Indiana has more quick twitch guards. You know, you could say that for sure. But the Raptors are a young and athletic team. And I don't really understand how they were getting outplayed that badly in transition other than just like mental blunders and inability to finish plays. Could it, do you guys think it could just be a, um, cause when you, when we go back to the beginning of the season, you look at this Raptors team, someone would ask you uh, talent wise, you stack up the Indiana Pacers to the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you would, you would think it's not even close, right? Um, we talked about it last season, a lot, um, Aiden and Oren, how the Raptors strongest five are some of the best, um, five in the league that you can put together. It's just everything beyond that has been extremely inconsistent in the last couple of years, right? So, um, but when you look at Indiana, I mean, you look at their starting five versus the Raptors, most people, even with the Raptors loss, would take the Raptors, but it goes beyond that, right? Like these Indiana Pacers have very good players coming off of the bench. And um, I'm not ready to give up on guys like Chris Boucher, even though it seems like Nick Nurse has um, in the last month or so. I mean, Chris Boucher has been a non-factor. He, has, he hasn't gotten minutes. Nick Nurse has publicly called him out. He said, you know, he just needs to play better, simple as. Precious Achua just got back from injury. Um, this was his first game back, so I didn't really expect much. Um, it would have been nice, like Keon said, for, for him to give us a little bit of a punch in a game like this, but... Um, you look at their bench contrasted with Toronto Raptors, and, I mean, Jalen Smith has been great for the Pacers this year. I know that because I have him in basketball fantasy. Um, Benedict Matherin has been damn near the sixth man of the year. Um, I mean, he's been in that conversation all season long. McConnell looked fantastic tonight. I don't know how he's been playing all season long. He's like a little jitterbug. I don't know. It's like he's going 40 miles per hour when he goes downhill. Um, he pissed me off tonight. Yeah, they got Chris Duarte, who had a great rookie season last year. He's now on the bench. So, I mean, up and down, you look at both rosters, and you start to maybe edge towards the Pacers. Maybe this is just a, a better team because – No, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Because I, I tweeted that today. I tweeted yeah. that the Raptors are more talented than the Pacers, oh. and people got mad at me. And I was like, you guys are sick. Like, don't <laughs> – I know it's the internet, but, like, you don't have to make an argument out of everything. On paper – the Raptors are a lot more talented than the Pacers. I just think they don't fit as a team. And and the coaching just hasn't been good this season. And the lineups don't make sense. But I talent-wise, I don't even think it's close. So sorry, Zara, but I think I think like I'm give that to you. I think one to ten. If you line up one to ten, Indiana starts winning at the bottom part of the yeah. roster. A little bit. Yeah, but one talent 12, let's is say. top heavy, right? Top, so. yeah. I think we have three of the best four players on the floor at any, at any given time in that in that game. Um, and honestly, our starters looked really good. Like someone mentioned that our first quarter offense looked good. It did. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed how weird it was what Scotty was doing. Mm. Like he literally was not looking to shoot. He, he wasn't mm. even typically. Scotty takes a moment to think about scoring and then goes and does something the first quarter he was actually not even looking at the rim it was astonishing it almost looked like someone said something and he was like fine f you and then like i'm just not gonna try and shoot like it looked like he was trying to send a message but it actually looked nice he suddenly became kind of this like this catalyst that was kind of, that was it was like a micro someone, ecosystem. someone used the word connector which i really yeah like. totally he was like a micro ecosystem where like the ball would run through him and he would kind of run around and create stuff and build a lot of stuff off of that. 
And I really liked that. And we were hitting our shots from the outside. Pascal was cooking. Like, we looked good. And same thing, someone else mentioned Scotty in the short roll. Like, they, we were running a lot of that in the fourth quarter. And it looked good. It's just like, I, I really think tonight, it, we either gassed out in the fourth quarter, but that in combination with the bench deficit was just like too much to overcome. Yeah. Sure. And I think that's what most people are going to come back to. They're going to look at that major difference between both bench units. And um, yeah, Pacers, uh, I don't know, Oren. Like I know, I know you're, you're of the opinion, the strong opinion, clearly that the talent gap is, is a large one between these two teams. Yeah. But the Pacers are so much better this year. Like Halliburton, you stack up both teams. Is Halliburton? Halliburton, I think, might be the second best player. Yeah, I'll give you that. Both teams, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then beyond that, obviously, the Raptors, like like Aiden said, probably have the next two or three um, players. And then, but I don't know. Like it's the Pacers are a team that they don't really give 40 minutes across the board to like everyone's playing 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 18 minutes. And when you can get consistent production from guys like Chris Duarte and guys like uh, Benedict Matherin, and you can't get that from who's supposed to be your best bench player in Chris Boucher. And um, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't expect much from Christian Coloco this season. I'm not switching that stance up just because he's been given minutes this year. I don't expect much from Malachi Flynn either. Right, so beyond that, who are you looking at? Thaddeus Young, Chris Boucher, and then Precious Achua, who just came back from injury. Namely, for me, Chris Boucher, and um, I don't know. We talked about this, I think, a couple shows shows ago as well. It's what do you do with Chris Boucher? He doesn't earn the minutes. Do you just hand them to him? Um, I don't know, and I don't know if the Raptors have a solution for for this consistent, I guess, bench consistent bench issues that they've been having. I don't know, Warren. I just saw it. Sorry, Josh Lewenberg tech tweeted that the bench had more foul, more fouls than points. <laughs> well, that was another problem tonight. All around, look at the personal fouls. Like the Raptors were just uh, hacking the. Sh- the I mean, some of those. Out of them. I, I'm definitely a, a homer, but I felt like the foul calling tonight was pretty brutal. No, but here's the thing: like the Raptors foul a lot all the time, and you're right. The the refs called a brutal game in terms of just ticky-tack stuff but that was from the opening tip-off and you have to adjust and they didn't adjust and they were just they were hacking way too much um you also hack a lot when you're tired by the way yeah that's just like a natural kind of response when you're getting blown past which seemed like every possession in the fourth quarter tj mcconnell's just having his way benedict matherin um and yeah, yeah i mean everyone looked exhausted we should get back to Barnes later because I want to talk yeah. more about him. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of if we're going to talk about like the the talent on this team and how it fits, like I think Thad Young is very talented. Chris Boucher is very talented. Precious Chua is very good. Flynn even has a lot of skill. Um, I just like, yeah, on one hand, when Trent goes to the bench, it's just going to obviously be weighted to where the, sco- the the starters are doing the bulk of the scoring. But I also think the big problem with this team is just that, like, partly because of injuries and partly because of Nick Nurse's whole philosophy is just, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, nobody knows who they're going to play with on any given night. And the rotations are always changing. And they haven't found the right mix in terms of, like, okay, this is our bench group. We have these two creators, these two shooters, and on and on. And even talking to like Fred Van Vliet about this, he 
was like very honest about being like, I want a set rotation. It helps us as players when we know who is playing with who every night. And they're not doing that. And like, you kind of expected it tonight with two guys coming back into the lineup and finally being healthy. But at the same time, we're almost a halfway through the season now. And I have no idea what the rotation is. And I think that's a problem. Kian, you haven't talked in a while. So where are you at with, do you like just like random guys getting thrown in in random spots? Or do you want it to be a little bit more consistent? I think it has to be more consistent. In the past, when this team has been good, there's been a set bench rotation. There's been a bench mob. It's It's been a set. Everyone knows their role. There was all Everyone knew what they were on the floor to do. And every single night, we're watching different players off the bench do different things, like totally different from what we've seen before. And I don't know if that's a personnel issue. Do you need players that fit your scheme more off the bench? I don't know because – like it's frustrating to watch. It's hard to watch out there. These players just not play how how they're supposed. Like not even give you a chance off the bench. The Pacers bench, as soon as they came in, absolutely dominated them up and down the floor. And you can't keep playing this way off the bench. You can't just keep giving different guys different minutes whenever you want. You need to like go to each player. This is your role. This is what you're gonna do. And that's obviously not what we're seeing right now. And it. it really shows what's going on off the bench. Yeah, I think the leash is just too short. Um, I think we can all agree on that. I think once you set those those uh, established rules amongst the bench, I think you just have to stick with it. And I know Nick Nurse is the type of guy where when guys struggle um, and he feels like they don't deserve minutes, they're going to get pulled. They may not play the next game. But it's just it's gotten to the point, I think, this season where we are so far down on that spectrum. Guys like Malachi Flynn, um, you know, Thaddeus Young, uh, Coloco, they have no clue how many minutes they're going to play when they're going into games. They don't know if they're going to play three minutes or 10 minutes or 25 minutes, right? Which I think is very strange. It's been all over the place this season. Um, and I think that's a fair bit of criticism I think most people have for Nick Nurse where um, guys aren't just, just aren't getting consistent shots, right? And I mean, when I say shots, I mean opportunities. I don't mean literal um, shots, but I mean opportunities on the court, and I think um, it starts for me with Chris Boucher. The Raptors play well as a team. It's almost like Chris Boucher, and I know there's probably some weird statistic out there, but the Raptors play very well when Chris Boucher is on one of his his roles, right? Like um, when he's playing really well, the Raptors look like a totally different team because he's coming off of the bench and he's making a difference, and he's being thrown in with two or three starters. And he looks like a plus when he's out there on the court. And I think if you've decided as a coach, hey, I'm going to give Chris Boucher four minutes in a game because he hasn't been playing well or uh, Coloco is going to be saddled with 22 minutes um, for whatever reason, right? If there's a size mismatch or whatever, or Coloco's not going to play at all. Uh, man, there just there needs to be so, some more consistency, I think, in, in the playing time for some of these guys and also for their development. We haven't even really spoke about that. Like, it's really important for their development for guys like Malachi, who's, if you asked me a month or two ago, I didn't know how long he had left on the Raptors, right? Christian Coloco, like right now is very, very important. If you don't, if you feel like he's too good to be with the 905 right now, give him a consistent amount of minutes. It doesn't have to be 15, 20 minutes. It could be eight, it could be 10, but don't DNP him 
for three games and then play him for one game for four minutes and then play him for the next game for 22. Like, it's just, it's not, none of it's making sense to me. The rotations just don't, don't, uh, I don't know. I yeah, don't really have answers for them. Some of it's on the front office too. Like, Coloco, Achua, and Thad Young, I think, are all fives. Like, they're all best at the five. And they're all coming off the bench. And Cam Birch, who doesn't play. And they're all coming off the bench. So it's like, none of them are good enough or fit well enough to start. And so they all come off the bench, but they all play the same position. Like, that. that's just, like, why people are calling for a trade. Like, that's just unsustainable. You can ask Nick Nurse to do whatever he can, but... Some nights, I get, I think, especially against certain matchups, and this is the Indiana team with a lot of quick guards, that the it just doesn't work to play that many bigs who essentially play the same position. Yeah, yeah, the roster makeup is what it is. I, like, it's not the best, and I don't mind playing different guys against different matchups. In fact, like I argued for that before with guys like Birch, and you have you know more traditional big, blah blah blah. But I agree with all of you that it's the rotations that are the problem. Like we saw this early in the year with Banton and Flynn. It was like one guy would get six minutes in the first half. The other guy would get six minutes in the second half. And neither really were effective. Or if they started to be, they disappeared. And like, I don't know that there's that many teams that do that. Um, And it's like, we need to not only have consistent bench players come out consistently, but we need to have the starters who are pairing with those come out uh, consistently too. Like today it was at one point it was Pascal and Gary and before it was like Pascal and Freddie. And it's like, it, like it's just, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of it in my head and I can't really, I'm like, now I don't even know what's a new lineup and what isn't. And I, I don't think, I don't think that's benefiting most players on this team. Like you're all saying, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think that's that's what I look at. Where what is the potential benefit? Because usually when you look at a scenario like this, there's there's something to benefit from this. And I don't see what it is because you're not developing the younger guys, which is fine. I mean, if you feel like you have a very good team, right, you kind of sacrifice some of that for playing the starters more. But this isn't a very good team right now. So the bench players are out of whack. They don't have confidence. Um, the starters are overplaying themselves and they look good. To be fair, like we talked about that, the starters look good. And I think Nick Nurse looks at it like, why am I going to take out starter X if he's playing well? Well, starter X and Y and Z are all getting extremely tired at the end of the game and getting blown past by TJ McConnell, five possessions in a row, right? And he's kicking it out and finding all types of different guys for wide open shots. Um, I think there has to be a balance there. And we are now how many games? Um, 37 games into the season. It's almost halfway there, and um, that consistency um, hasn't been established, which is very frightening for the Raptors because now I'm starting to see national media articles come out where it's like, you know, they're separating teams into tiers, and the Raptors are in that second-to-last tier where it's like, oh, is this a play-in team or or what? And um, deservedly so. I mean, they haven't looked great this year. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Scotty Barnes, should we be positive? I feel like he we had, should be positive. Yeah, he had a good like game. He had the best game of his season, one honestly. of his better games, <clears throat> definitely. Yeah. Like, I agree, very locked in defensively from the start. And we've talked about how he's better playing up defensively than he is against point guards. And yeah, he was really good on Miles Turner tonight. 
Turner had uh, Turner had a pretty good night, but yeah, Scotty Scotty was definitely locked in, and and it's not a one on one job. His like, weak side help was, was great. Yeah, exactly. He was all over the place. And then you were talking about it offensively. Basically, Turner from the get-go was like, I'm just going to sit in the paint, uh, let Scotty shoot. And Scotty was like, I'm not going to settle for shots. I'm going to basically be like a Draymond and go set screens because if my guy's all the way in the paint, then I can set this screen and, and you know, like he's just going to come off it and Turner's in a deep drop and it's going to be an open three or an open two. And so they were getting really good looks off that. And I think there's something to be said for that offense because he was a little bit of a connector and it was a lot less Siakam isos plus 16 on the night. Yeah. Like it was just a really good, and he just made some crazy dimes couple to OG yeah. in the corner in the second half. Um, so yeah, were really... fumbled down low too. Yeah. Like that were non-assists, you know, like he could easily had 11, 12. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys want him to shoot or are you happy with a game like today? I want him to shoot in in like in the flow. Like I I he has reduced his like dribble combo pull up stuff. Totally mm. fine with those going away. If the early on he, I actually yelled at the TV. He was like 12th. He was from he was 12th feet like above <laughs> the free throw line and he just literally turned away and dribbled over and passed to the weak side like those shots he should be taking, no question, yeah. um, because you have to make Turner honest at some point. But it didn't yeah. really seem to matter uh, thus far. So um, I want to see more of what we saw tonight, and but maybe with a couple of more shots in there as well. He also, we were trying to figure it out when we were watching, and it's like it sounds like he hurt his wrist during warmups. So it might have been that too that he was just not not want comfortable shooting early on until he got his wrist warm. Yeah, and you never also you never want a guy to stop um, shooting altogether because then you get a real confidence issue um, mm-hmm. that points to probably one of the bigger ones. I think honestly in NBA history and the drop off we've seen from Ben Simmons where um, he just refuses to shoot anything now, and it's like when he goes up for a shot attempt, you're shocked, right? Um, I think confidence and mental stability is a real thing that every NBA player deals with on the court and off. And I think um, their play and their um, decisions they make on the court of, hey, does my coach and my team trust me to take this wide open three? Or do they trust me on the short roll if a team's giving me a bunch of space to attempt this mid-range jump shot? Um, I think the thing with Scotty is you just look back at last year and you see what he's what he was doing great and you just go with that. And Aiden mentioned it earlier. He's incredible in the short roll. Incredible. So... Um, he's one of those guys that when he has space around him and things are moving very fast and there's a backside cutter and um, there's two or three things happening at once, he processes information really fast, right? And you don't get that a lot from um, a 20-year-old, I think he is. I don't think he's 19 anymore. Um, so Scotty is yeah, 21, I think. I think. Huh? Or 21, yeah. Still young, still super young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keon, what did you think about Scotty's game? I thought he played great. I thought... At the start, Miles Turner was kind of giving him the Ben Simmons treatment, and I thought it was going to be one of those Scotty games where the whole fan base turns on him for a night and everyone everyone gets mad. But I thought he he, he really took that and just took what the defense gave him. He was he, I I agree with Aiden when talking about the shots. I think 
if he's taking them in the flow of the offense, if he's taking threes, then that that's absolutely fine. I don't like him dribbling up the court and, and cross cross like dribble combos into a step back three. I don't want to see any of that. I like like just play to his strength. And we, we talked about this earlier where like he's too talented to not get out of these like weak spells, you know. He's way too talented. And today, like he showed it. Like if he can continue to play like this and play as a as like the stem of the offense and get everyone else involved. You like you said earlier, throwing great passes. That lob to Ochua on that baseline cut was that, that was beautiful. And he just like if this is how the starters are going to play, and if Fred can start hitting shots, I, I, I'm very optimistic about how those guys can play because you you can see the um, you can see like things you saw from last year, the, the chemistry between those five, and it's starting to come back a little bit. Now it's about the rotation. It's about I know I'm going away from Scotty a little bit here, but it's like if he's playing like that, it's 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 huge for the offense to just get a rhythm and just play with some pace and not play so stagnant and so mm-hmm. so ice so heavy, you know. Yeah. We talked about um Scotty and the and the bench so far, and I think we don't really have to go super in depth with Pascal Siakam because he just did what he usually does in a game like this. He shot well. Um didn't look like he struggled much in his one-on-one opportunities. Um, he got to the free throw line seven times. I wanted to kind of focus in on two players who kind of had different games. Gary Chen Jr. with 32, 11 for 18 shooting. Um, and then on the other side, you had Fred Van Vliet who struggled to shoot from the field. Um, again, in this game, uh, he was a plus two. So, you know, something was working, I guess, when he was on the court. Um, but I guess we'll start with Gary Chen Jr. What did you guys think about his 30-plus point, per- point performance? Um, and how it just seemed like every time the Raptors were out of the game, he kept shooting them back into it. I do want to say quickly on Pascal before we move on. He had seven free field goal attempts in the first quarter, four in the second, four in the third, and two in the fourth quarter. And I find this is, has been a reoccurring issue with the Toronto Raptors too, is they don't go back to Pascal when it's working. It's just like, He's the hub of his offense. He should be having more than seven assists a game. He should have 30 every game. They don't give him the ball when when we need him to score. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, I just wanted to highlight that quickly as on the side. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Seven, four, four, two, you said, right? Seven in the first, yeah. four in second and third. Yeah, and two, two shots in the fourth quarter. Unfortunate, especially because Scott, I mean, uh, Pascal's been the best player by far for the Raptors this season. I was consistent by far, right? I was looking this up, though. I think he's, like, fourth in the league in fourth quarter assists this season. So part of it might be the way defenses are playing him. Probably just as the game goes on, they're shading more and more help his way. Um, But that's kind of the trick, too, with what we're saying about getting Scotty more involved in the offense is that goes away from Siakam ball and, like, heliocentric Siakam offense, which I think has been pretty good at times for the Raptors. Like, let our best player touch the ball every time in the half court like Let him it cook. felt like yeah they're they're in between like some games they are happy to do that to do like the luca thing essentially and then some games it's like nah let's do something completely different and have scotty or fred handle the ball and i would like consistency like i'm not even saying one is better than the other i'm just like you know like i mean not every game you're going to play the same way against different defenses but yeah, at least in the clutch, I feel like you should play the same way in the clutch 
against different teams. Um, we don't anyway. do this a lot um, during yeah. our show because we are a live post-game show. But I saw someone in, in our live chat say Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. Yeah, yeah I looked that up. It's real. 71, 11 assists, 8 rebounds. That's they went to we overtime. Get yeah. If we get that from Pascal, we're winning. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, let's go Gary Freddie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's okay. interesting about Gary Freddie is two guys kind of trending opposite ways right now. Both free agents potentially. Like, yeah. I to me, I was thinking about it today, and I'm I'm starting to face face the music here that like the core now is Pascal, OG, and Scotty. And then the question is, what do you want to do? with these other pieces because i i don't think i've seen anything from freddie this year that makes me believe in him long term for this team i i could be wrong and unless he plays a different role but i i'm just starting to get the feeling that maybe his time has ended here i'm not really sure but tonight was a good contrast of those two guys so i'm interested with your guys thoughts um I think I'm of the opinion. I'm I'm not a hundred percent there with you, Aiden, but I see that a lot of people are um, kind of where you are with the Fred Van Fleet situation, particularly. Um, I am of the opinion where you know if he does end up in trade talks and it does become national news that hey, Fred Van Fleet is being shopped around, I'm not going to be shocked. Nor am I going to be very. No, I take that back. I was going to say I, I wouldn't be angry if, if he was traded because Fred's a Fred's just a great person. Um, great part of this team too. Great leader. Um, I would be sad, but he has not played well this year at all. And I think the drop-off has been insane because last season was his best season. It was his career year, right? He made the all-star team. And I think this year now you look at it and it's a massive, massive drop-off. And people are starting to wonder, is this um, – you know, maybe the beginning of the end for Fred. Is this the, um, is his future limited with, with the Toronto Raptors? And I, I'm not 100% sure. Something has to change. And this is why I talked about potential benefits, right, guys? Because Chris Boucher, if you want to trade him, everyone's like, oh, we'll trade him for a guard, trade him for a guard. His, his value is at its lowest point right now. He's not yeah. playing. Forget him not playing well. Fred VanVleet's not playing well either, right? So it's not like we can just throw guys around and say, oh, we'll get a couple firsts for that guy and we'll get this for that guy. Like these guys 100%. aren't playing well. So there's no benefit um, coming out of this. Someone said Orange laughing at Sahal's cor- corp talk, corporate talk. Um, no, Orange I was, laughing at, I was laughing at some comments. Oh, okay. He does also laugh at me sometimes. Um, I, yeah, yeah I, but to me, it's to be no. clear, like I'm not. I would love to keep Freddie, but the thing is, is that you're gonna have to pay him a ton. And you well, know, seem... that part is becoming less and less clear. Well, because... yeah, but even if it's three years, ninety or something, right? Like it's not. It's a big chunk, and yeah. he doesn't seem like he's like play aside because that is very concerning and maybe he'll turn it around it could be back stuff it could be knee stuff i don't know but he doesn't look like he's willing to play the role that i think this team needs him to play to be successful it's like floor general yeah i think so it was like tonight today was one of the first times actually that i felt like he played the role properly like he needs to be floor general hardcore defender 
spot up shooter, tertiary mm-hmm. creator. And like, I do see him evolving into that. And tonight actually felt that way. And his defense was a lot better, at least on the help side. His on ball defense is still trouble. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, if that's something he wants to do long term, too, right? So. I I think I've seen him buy into his role. Like tonight, he had twelve of his fifteen shots were threes, so he was primarily spotting yeah. up, and he's been yeah, doing more of that too. this season. But the problem is, if you play him in that role, which is the best, you know, I don't think the Raptors expected Scotty and Pascal to develop this quickly in a lot of ways. To where now it doesn't make sense to have the ball in Fred's hands as much. But the problem is, he's not hitting shots, so. Like the ball's not in his hand, he's not hitting shots, he's pretty useless offensively, let's be honest. And, and his defensively, defense is down. Yeah, it's lost a little step. And that's another thing with the roster construction, real quick, is that like no one on this team can stay in front of Tyrese Halliburton. And so that's why I'm like that's why I'm like get a Caruso in here, because like, yeah, Fred couldn't do it, but that's a tough job. And maybe you need to go out and get someone who can do it. But anyways, like I definitely came into the season thinking Gary might get traded and Fred was going to be here long term. But at a certain point, you have to respect the results of what we've seen. And Gary's just been better, like flat out. And he he definitely fits. I mean, both of them fit beside Pascal individually, at least. But recently, you've really seen Gary and Pascal have a really nice two man game. Um, So. It's it's really tough to say because he's definitely their leader and and it is harder than just the on court stuff to send yeah, Freddie shipping. Um, there's going to be some repercussions in the locker room. He's Pascal's best friend. They came into the league together, so it's complicated. But there's no doubt if he keeps playing this way and the fit continues to not work, they're going to have to consider some of that stuff. Yeah. Um... Well, four minutes ago, guys, right, during Aiden and Oren's little uh, mini rants, I got an email. I don't know if you guys can see it. It, does, it says Manscaped, review your recent order. This wasn't uh, planned, but this does work out absolutely perfectly for me um, because now I can talk about one of my favorite products, a product that I just informed Aiden, Keon, and, and Oren uh, just before we started recording that I had to go back and purchase another item. And what you guys see here is – the body buffer this is a body scrubber right you use it when you take showers and uh absolutely incredible great feel um it's it's made out of silicone it says on the front and by the way manscape packaging i just want to say this really quick this whole gold and black thing they have going on is fantastic um i love it personally like a nice matte black with gold um and like we said before guys you don't have to spend a bunch of money to use our um, particular code wrap up R-A-P-U-P for 20% off and free shipping. Um, You don't have to purchase a $300, $200 bundle, something that's worth $100. This right here is $24.99, I think US and $29.99 Canadian. So you can use it on this, still get 20% off, you still get free shipping. And I don't know how they got this to me, this body buffer in four days, um, the week before Christmas, but they somehow did it. And um, hey, now we're in 2023, right? We're past that Christmas rush. We urge you guys, if you are looking for gifts, if you are looking to um, 
replace any of your men's grooming items to visit manscaped.com and use our code, our promo code wrap-up, R-A-P-U-P, for 20% off and free shipping on your entire order. Um, and, yeah, I think I speak for Oren, Aiden, and everyone when I say they got great products. And this email, I, I said it, guys. It wasn't planned. You guys can see it right here. It says, I think, five minutes ago. So, um, yeah, purchase your wrap-up items. Uh, uh, sorry, you're a basketball. That was pretty good, Sal. That was about a minute. minute. We're gonna have to cut that by 20, but we're gonna have to cut it by 20 next time. But that was good. Sorry, guys. I have to go once again. Um, someone said, Sal, how much has Manscaped enhanced your relationship? Yeah, you must have a relationship with who is the question himself. God, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um. Yeah, I so, feel like um, the guy we haven't talked about tonight is OG Ananobi, who I get it. He had a pretty average game. But I, I also do feel like if, if we're hating on Fred and we've given it to Scotty this season, I think OG since really last three, four weeks now since Pascal returned to health, like OG just hasn't been good enough in terms of what they need from him and Fred. Like you need your three best players to be really good on this roster it looks like and yeah I, I i think og deserves some criticism like we're talking about fred shot a lot og is now down to on the season what is he shooting from three um why can't i just 35 percent from three he's a career 37 percent shooter and the he's looks been better are better lately though he's he has yeah lately. He has, but he hasn't still been great. Like the looks are so wide open. Uh yeah. and, and they're just looks that in the past he was knocking out at a really high rate. And yeah, the defense. I, I think the defense has also dropped off from the level it was at earlier in the season where he was just affecting the game so much. Um, but yeah, it's just the combination of like OG is a better shooter than this. And I, I want him to get back to that level. I think he's better at attacking closeouts than he's been recently. And I even think the defense can tick up a notch. So all of them have to play better if they want to turn this season around. And I mean, you said OG is part of the core. And I'm not sure I agree. Like, I think Pascal and Scotty are definitely the guys who are not going to get traded anytime soon. But I don't know. I, I think OG is, is in a similar camp as Fred. I, just in terms I... of... Don't agree at all. I think like OG is OG's at a huge discount right now. We're we're giving him I'm giving him a huge benefit of the doubt offensively. Like he's he's gone back to some of his old bad habits where he's he just like stumbling and throwing the ball away and falling over, and it's really frustrating. But he's defending everybody in the league well or not like he did a pretty good job on Halliburton for parts of the top parts of the no he's a great defender he's a yeah and he and he's like shutting down guys constantly he I he still bends you know offenses just through his like presence alone he's only going to get better he's only going to become a better shooter I'll give him more criticism I I don't mind doing that but like at his age the fact that he's a defensive closer the fact that he has so much room to grow offensively still, and even if he didn't, even if this was just him and he became like a increment more efficient, he I still think that makes him like the fourth most important player on a championship team. No, so, that's fair. And and real quick, I just I wouldn't trade OG either, and all that's fair. All I'm saying is in the past couple of weeks he hasn't 
been good enough. And yeah, and he we don't talk about him because enough of other true. people have been even worse. And he single-handedly won't win you games. I think that's the biggest problem right now is that like <laughs> even Scotty can suddenly take over a game and and be the difference maker. And the only way OG is going to win you games is on the defensive end and and that's only limited to so much. So that is that is fair. I just don't don't trash OG, okay man? Just back off him. <laughs> It's good that the last time I checked his three-point percentage uh, this season, it was at 33, and now he's inching towards 36. Um, I just did a quick math. In the last five games. Last game is – No, go ahead. No, I was going to say the same thing, so go ahead. Yeah, the last five games since December 23rd at Cleveland, he's shot 16 for 36 from three. So that's 44% um, in five games on 36 shots. So it's getting better, and he's – 48% 48% from the field. So, I mean, I get where you're coming from, Orn, where it's like when OG kind of flutters a bit, the focus isn't really on him. But I think a lot of that has to do with just guys being consistently, um, you know, worse, playing at a lower level uh, this entire season um, than OG. My real problem, too, when I say, like, is he part of the core is just that mm-hmm. him and Pascal for two and a half seasons now, have not been playing their best ball beside each other. It's always when one of them goes out, the other one is really good. But when they play together and are on the court together, it doesn't feel like their skill sets enhance each other's. And I guess that's that's my main thing is like since Pascal started really ascending after the injury, OG has gone back to this role where he's kind of just a spot up guy and he's it's just limiting what we know he's capable of. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think as Scotty blossoms, though, OG's like function. I mean, maybe to his like, to like to his disappointment is is kind of going to be what we see now. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. But I do think with that relationship, it accentuates on on OG's side. I think more than Pascal. Pascal has no problem playing like a superstar when OG's there or when OG's not there. Yeah. Um, but I think with OG, yeah, he does revert back into that role that every offseason we come back to and we say, well, OG can play much better than that role. And then, you know, midway through the season, we're back. We're back to kind of where we were before. Um, it's one of those things where you kind of wonder if OG's on, a, on another team, which obviously I'm sure no Raptors fan wants, does he explode into that, you know, all-star that many people think he's he's capable of of exploding into? So, um, or does he just, you know, is he just that really good 3 and D player, right? Like he is now. Um, I can't really say we'll see because I do not think OG is anywhere near the trading block right now. Um, and I don't know if any Raptor is because every almost every Raptor is not playing well, which is not uh, great news. Which is why Raptors are now 16 and 21 on the season, five games under 500. I think, guys, that'll do it. Do yeah, we have, let's, let's get out of here. We have, yeah, I mean, we're not going to do can M. We got to do the can M on a Pacers game. Oh, can M, Keon, you haven't said anything in a while. Who's your can M player of the game? I'm a little rusty. Uh, I'm gonna go with, I mean, it has to be Gary. I don't think there's any other player oh, who, respect. Yeah, who went nearly <laughs> played as well as he did. Um, every time he, every time the Raptors looked like they were out of it, they were losing momentum. He came in, hit a big three. Has to be him. 
it's been him the last two games. And uh, he continues. He's on, he's on one of his tears. We, we saw him do this a lot last year, 25-point games consecutively. We saw that last year. And if the Raptors want to start winning games, they're going to need it again. And tied to the team high in 40 minutes, hit five threes. That's exactly what you need. But, uh, I mean, we can't give it to Pascal, so every game is okay. <laughs> the non-Pascal. Yeah, Zerar suggested we name this the – not Pascal Siakam award. Yeah. Um, maybe Scotty. Maybe cool. Scotty. Yeah, we'll do. That's we'll do taxman. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with Gary Trentiner being our taxman tonight. I think Orin and Nader are fine with the two. Obviously, honorable mentions go to Scotty Barnes um, as well, um, and obviously Pascal Siakam, who who played pretty well, you know, in this game as well. Uh, we've seen a, a ton of interaction in the live chat, so we appreciate everybody joining us. We've seen everything from. Um, I mean, the last few comments have been people arguing over whether or not they trust Masai Ujiri. Um, beyond that, we have tons of trades and people are thinking of potential guys moving here and we're getting this player and I'm interested in that. We love seeing it, guys. Uh, we love hearing all of your opinions. Do not get too you know, violent in our live chat. Um, we do appreciate all the disagreements and the agreements, but we do not um, you know, like all the other stuff. Uh, I think that's going to do it for all of us tonight. We really appreciate all of you joining us on the wrap-up live. Again, your Toronto Raptors were defeated by the Indiana Pacers 122-114, to 114, bringing the Raptors record to 16-21. and 21. The live show was produced by Keon Haddad. You see him in the bottom left corner of the screen. That was it for myself, Keon, Oren, and Aiden. We'll see you guys, I believe, Wednesday night versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and that will do it for us. Any, any last words, guys? Bye. Happy New Year. There we go. Happy New Year, because I didn't say that yet.